Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Every week, early in the week, uh, it's going to be Tuesday mornings. Of course, we are going to do our waiver wire show. I assume that most of you are playing in leagues with fab, free agency, acquisition, budget. Uh, It's not that hard to translate these things over to like a waiver wire order. Uh, I actually do play in one league still that is a waiver wire order as opposed to fab dollars. Uh, So that is how these recommendations are going to be Stated, a reminder, of course, that we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, I believe, actually, this Tuesday is the last day that they are running the $25 bonus as a ticket. And instead, what you are going to get now when you use the deposit code GRID is a free wager inside of the Pick'em game on Underdog. I've been talking about the Pick'em game on Fantasy Sports Today. I've been talking about it with Josh Norris on this uh, on this podcast and Hayden Winks on this podcast. I would really encourage you guys to download Underdog Fantasy. They have NBA best ball now. They have pickums. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to sweat the pickums for the Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football games. But uh, yeah, download Underdog Fantasy and let's go ahead and get to the week one waiver wire. I suppose it's actually the week two waiver wire considering these are forward-looking moves. Of course, the first guy that we have to talk about is Elijah Mitchell. And I, I think that this is going to be one of the most interesting waiver wire week one guys um, kind of ever, to be honest, because he had a great game in week one. It seems that he is also ahead of Trey Sermon in the pecking order. Obviously, Trey Sermon was like a sixth, seventh round draft pick. So that seems a little bit odd that uh, a guy who was drafted with the 10th pick of the sixth round would leapfrog Trey Sermon. But remember, Trey Sermon was a fourth-round draft pick. This is not like, uh, you know, remember remember when Robert Griffin and Kirk Cousins were drafted in the same class, right? The Washington football team took Robert Griffin in the first round and Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. This is not like Kirk Cousins, you know, happening to beat out Robert Griffin for that job, right? This would not be a fourth round pick is basically the same in terms of hit rate as a sixth round pick. And looking at Elijah Mitchell's prospect profile, I don't see how you can view him as, as a bad prospect. So he ran a four, three, five at his pro day. We can kind of adjust that to a four, four. He's five, 10, 200 pounds. He's 23 years old. So he's a little bit overaged as a prospect, but he was very productive at uh, the University of Louisiana Lafayette, the uh, the Ragin' Cajuns. He had 527 rushes in his career, scored 41 touchdowns, 
49 receptions. He averaged 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, and, you know, if, uh, if we look at his senior year and we look at, you know, some of the some of the big games that those guys would have played, you know, he, he did very well in some of their bigger games. Now, uh, so a game against Iowa State, for example, that they actually won. Uh, he was decent in that game, but it was that was more of a, a passing heavy game for him. But the reason why I find Mitchell such an interesting waiver wire candidate with Raheem Mostert out for probably eight weeks and knowing Raheem Mostert, I, I think I would maybe even be surprised to see him back earlier than that, is one, I think we all understand that Michael Hasty is going to play a role, right? Like it, it, it is very unlikely that Jamichael Hasty completely uh, goes away from the team because they were actually playing Hasty a little bit last year, uh, and so the fact that Hasty was playing last year is, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. And Hasty is a very good athlete. Where he made the team, uh, maybe even more importantly, he made the team over Wayne Gallman. And if a young guy is making a team over a veteran that we know that the team is going to trust, that's always a little bit interesting. And then, of course, the other wrinkle to that is Sermon is a game day inactive. Raheem Mostert gets injured on his second carry. So Trey Sermon is going to be active this next week for the 49ers, right? There, there is a there is like a 100% chance that Trey Sermon is active, and Trey Sermon is going to get touches. Now, is Trey Sermon going to come in and immediately be the lead running back? I mean, probabilistically thinking, no. It, it would seem very unlikely that Trey Sermon would go from being a healthy scratch to then taking over the lion's share of the carries inside of the 49ers' backfield. But, I mean, if there was going to be a coach that would do something like that, you would have to say that Kyle Shanahan would probably be one of the most likely guys to do that. You know, let's take a look at the 2019 49ers team. That team had 137 rushes for Tevin Coleman, 137 rushes for Ricky Mostert, 123 rushes for Matt Breida, 27 rushes, but four rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown for Jeff Wilson. So that was a team that really spread the touches around in the backfield. 2018 team, basically the same thing. Brita, Alfred Morris, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, all used in that backfield. Take a look at the 2017 team. That was basically the last time they had an alpha running back. Carlos Hyde more than, uh, actually he tripled up Matt Breida's touches, basically 299 touches to 126 touches. And again, remember, Trey Lance goal line packages. He already did it in week one. I imagine that the Trey Lance goal line packages are probably going to continue so I see, of course, avenues where the Elijah Mitchell bids can go poorly, right? There are ways that it goes bad. This is why, me personally, I am bullish on Elijah Mitchell. It's the perfect scheme for him to succeed. And it is true that Shanahan, both, both Kyle Shanahan and his dad, did not mind distributing the touches in a, in a wider fashion, but they at least tend to do it in a way that is dictated by the play. So if Elijah Mitchell plays well, it seems likely that he is going to continue to get those touches moving forward. And, and I think that uh, we can get the best evidence from this from Raheem Mostert, who had no draft capital, you know, absolutely basically uh, cost nothing to acquire 
from this team. And what we see with Mostert's season in 2019 is by playing well, he continued to earn himself more playing time, right? So he has the big game against Baltimore in week 13 back in 2019, and he basically is the lead back ever since then. Look at Mostert's 2020 season. Uh, Mostert was inactive and on the injured reserve twice, and they still continued to give him the ball. Uh, you know, uh, he had uh, 15 carries, eight carries, got injured, 11 carries with three targets, 17 carries with two targets, went on the IR. His first game back off the IR, he gets 18 touches, 10 touches and a loss, 16 touch or 18 touches again, and then 14 more touches and a loss to Dallas. So I, I think that some of the Shanahanigan stuff is maybe a little bit overplayed. I am saying that if on zero running back teams or hero running back teams that really need a running back to, and more importantly, really need a running back to that can potentially win you your league, right? James White, uh, Devin Singletary, uh, Giovanni Bernard, Ty Johnson, guys like this, they're never winning you your league. They're never going to score 20 points a game. They're never going to have these huge 25-point weeks. But Elijah Mitchell already showed us that he can do that, and we can feel pretty confident that that is going to be in his weekly range of outcomes, especially because uh, you know the the team is is just that good. I mean, he played 64% of the snaps. He had 19 rushes. He wasn't targeted, but Jimmy Garoppolo only threw the ball 25 times. So this is my official recommendation. Zero running back teams where you can start him and where a breakout season from him basically kind of gives you an unbeatable season. I think you can go up to 50% of your remaining fab budget. And I know that was very long-winded, but I, I think that this will probably be one of the key decision points of the year. You know, we, we I think waiting for breakout running backs is oftentimes a mistake, especially because we are staring down the barrel of a potential breakout right now. If it, we get to next week and it turns out that Trey Sermon is the lead running back, well, you know what? It is what it is. And, and even then, right? So even if Trey Sermon is the lead running back next week, you still probably have Trey Sermon's handcuff which is valuable. Both 49ers running backs were going in the top 100 picks of fantasy football drafts. So it's not like he is a wasted roster spot on teams with more solid running back production. You know, let's say you started your draft, uh, Derek Henry and Saquon Barkley or uh, Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon or something like that. Uh, I, I think he's probably more in like the 25 to 35% range just because he's not quite as valuable and there is some associated risk. Uh, but I, I think he clearly headlines the waiver wire this week. Some other running backs worth bidding on. Again, zero running back teams. Mark Ingram, he gets the 26 carries last week. Uh, all of their running backs scored a touchdown, though. Uh, David Johnson scored on a reception. Philip Lindsay on a run. Maybe some of these guys get traded. Maybe the Texans are a little bit better than we think. I think probably not. Uh, Ingram, not a guy I am particularly interested in, given what I expect the Texans to be, but I think he is a fine 8 to 12% bid. You know, no, no real problem there. We got a sneak preview of what Latavius Murray is going to look like. I am really not impressed with what he did. He only had uh, 28 rushes on 9 carries. However... Tyson Williams did get kind of injured in this game. I believe he got a helmet to the groin. And on kind of the key play of the game, Tyson Williams missed a huge pass block. Lamar got hit. 
and Lamar fumbled the ball. That's the kind of thing that coaches hate. I do think Murray is um, a, a pickup where he is available, though I am not particularly excited about him at all. A guy I am excited about, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, he had 11 touches with two receptions and uh, scored a touchdown. He is clearly ahead of Boston Scott. Boston Scott did not have a touch. I, I don't think it's impossible that Gainwell is like actually a little bit better than Miles Sanders, and it, Jalen Hurts looked really good. If Kenneth Gainwell is out in your league, I think he's more like a 25% guy. I, I think he would be my second running back pickup of the week. There are some other guys out there. You know, uh, Tevin Coleman would be an option. Ty Johnson on the same team would be an option. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. is probably owned in your leagues, but those guys would be like uh, 10% bids. Uh, Philip Lindsay, I think, is the clear handcuff, quote unquote, to Mark Ingram. He's probably more like a like a five percent bid. I mean, the the running backs, uh, the running back stuff, I think, is clearly headlined, you know, obviously by Elijah Mitchell, the Texans guys. And then uh, uh, another important note, I suppose, actually, is Larry Roundtree is clearly the handcuff running back to Austin Eckler. He had uh, eight carries, and I, it's, it's just interesting that Justin Jackson had only one carry, and Joshua Kelly was inactive. We have seen this complementary role to Austin Eckler be useful for fantasy. I mean, Kalen Balazs was useful last year. Joshua Kelly was useful last year before he got benched. And uh, Melvin Gordon, basically in that role, complementing Austin Eckler back in 2019, was useful as well. So that's kind of where we are at with the... Oh, and then I guess I need to mention Carlos Hyde. Um, I mean, he, he out-carried... James Robinson. He only ran 14 passing routes to James Robinson's 36, but there are going to be some game scripts where Carlos Hyde is useful. Now, there is a very deep group of wide receivers. Uh, I think three guys headline it. Cedric Wilson for the Dallas Cowboys. He is going to be the injury replacement for Michael Gallup, who is on the short-term IR. That means that he is going to be out for at least three weeks, probably a little bit closer to five. And then the two Broncos guys, KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick. Cedric Wilson is a guy who has, I mean, you know, he is 26 years old, was not a particularly great prospect, but he basically has uh, continued to show that he is the guy the Cowboys want to play as their rotational wide receiver. And any, you know, this is kind of the same philosophy as, uh, you know, McCall Hardman or Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson in that Chiefs offense, which is just that if you throw that much, some of these guys should be valuable. Uh, Cedric Wilson ended up playing on 40% of the snaps for Dallas in that loss against Tampa Bay. Three receptions, three targets, 24 yards. Uh, I think he looks like a pretty strong waiver wire pickup this week. But then both of the Broncos wide receivers actually are guys that I uh, really want to have on my teams. Uh, KJ Hamler seems like the more natural replacement for Jerry Judy. He played on 36% of the snaps. He had four targets, three receptions, and 41 yards. Hamler is crazy fast, crazy athletic, uh, probably, uh, and like I said, you know, a more natural replacement for the slot snaps there in Denver. Uh, Tim Patrick just might be good, though. He played on 70% of the snaps for the Broncos, and I believe his receiving touchdown in this game came before Jerry Judy got injured. Uh, he saw he saw four targets, caught all four of them 
for 39 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, I mean, the, the Broncos were also a little bit more pass heavy in a game that they were winning the entire time than you would have thought. Javante Williams had 14 rushes. Melvin Gordon had 11, but Teddy Bridgewater threw 36 passes. Noah Fant led the team in targets with eight. Jerry Judy had seven. He's gone. Uh, and then KJ Hamler had four. Tim Patrick had four. Cortland Sutton had three. Looks like he's still kind of working his way back from that uh, ACL. And then Albert Okui Boonham with three targets, three receptions, and a touchdown. Uh, and Okui Boonham played a lot of snaps. He played 56% of the snaps. So he also might be a slightly interesting add in tight end premium formats. But those guys, uh, they're going to be owned in basically your, your FFPC main events and things like that. Uh, but if Cedric Wilson, KJ Hamler, and Tim Patrick are out there, I think they are good. Uh, eight to fifteen percent bids, of course, depending on you know if you kind of drafted like uh, the the ship chasing boys and stuff. Well, uh, Cedric Wilson is not like a breakout candidate, and I don't really know if Tim Patrick is either. I do think KJ Hamler looks like one of these guys who can break out, so I, I do think he is worth a decent bid. Some of the other tertiary wide receivers who had better roles than we expected. Christian Kirk, he needs to be rostered in all 12-team leagues. You should not have to break the bank to get him, you know, 5 to 10% to get Christian Kirk. But it really would not surprise me if, in this offense, with how good Kyler looked against Tennessee, if we end up seeing Christian Kirk, you know, kind of being like a 13-point-per-game wide receiver, which is insane for a guy you can find off the waiver wire. Nelson Aguilar looked pretty good in week one. I, I am certainly not going crazy on him. I would prefer Jacoby Myers. but I So for me, uh, not bidding on Aguilar, but I could see why you would. Uh, Juwan Johnson, I guess let's talk. Well, no, wait. I'll, I'm going to talk about tight ends here in, uh, here in a second. Um, yeah, Jalen Rager had six targets, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Devonta Smith only had two more targets. I continue to kind of believe in Jalen Rager. So if he's out there, Rager kind of in that Hamler category looks like a guy who's more likely to break out. So even on teams that are strong at wide receiver, I think that you can add Rager. Sterling Shepard is owned in like every league that I play in. In fact, he was drafted pretty high in a lot of the leagues I played in. But again, you know, some of you guys are just playing in your your 12-team home leagues. And so Sterling, I mean, Sterling Shepard would be the top wide receiver pickup of the week, but I don't really think he is uh, worth discussing that much. Zach Pascal, four passes, 43 yards, two touchdowns, uh, you know, again. But like, you, you know, you know the deal with Pascal. You're, you're more likely to cut him uh, at this point. I just don't think that he is going to break out. If any of the Bills' secondary wide receivers are on your waiver wire, Beasley, Davis, Manny Sanders, they played the most four wide receiver sets of any team in the NFL in week one. They threw, uh, uh, I believe they were one of the most pass-to-run heavy ratio teams in the NFL in week one. I, I would need to, uh, to check that a little bit closer again. But all of those guys need to be rostered. So if any of those guys are out there in your league, uh, make sure to try and pick them up. Brian Edwards on Monday night did absolutely nothing. Uh, and then he caught four passes for 81 yards and almost scored the game-ending touchdown there. Uh, I mean, Edwards, to me, over that time frame, looked a lot better than Ruggs did. And I, I can't see Hunter Renfro being this like target guy uh, for that much of the season. So uh, I, I think he is worth uh, an ad. Then real quick, our week one 
tight end pickups. I think if Adam Troutman is out there in your league, he played a ton, like way more than Juwan Johnson did. Juwan Johnson obviously is getting the plaudits because he scored the two receiving touchdowns, but he ran only 10 routes. So, you know, Troutman got the playing time. Juwan Johnson got the stats. Uh, Dalton Schultz actually maybe is even the better pickup for the Dallas Cowboys than Cedric Wilson would be. Dalton Schultz played a ton in week one. They were designing specific touches for him. He played on 68% of the snaps, six targets, six receptions, 45 yards. Uh, If they play a little bit more two tight end stuff as a result of Michael Gallup being injured, then I think Dalton Schultz looks like a a pretty big beneficiary of that. I already mentioned Alberta Kui-Boonham. David Njoku had 76 receiving yards and over 100 air yards. I don't think that the Browns are going to be that pass heavy. I also think his playing time was probably inflated because Odell did not play in this game. But, uh, you know, we, we have long been tantalized by David and Joku. So I wonder if there is finally a, a potential breakout waiting there. You know, it is, uh, it is pretty, pretty interesting there. Um, and I think that should about wrap us up at the, uh, the tight end position. I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty much there. No, no tight end this week, you know, uh, a guy worth lumping in on. Um, Juwan Johnson is a guy I have already added in my leagues. And the reason why I like him, despite the fact that he didn't play a ton, is he was a converted wide receiver from college. And like, well, I would rather have my guys, I would rather have my guys having a high targets per route run and not running that many routes as opposed to just being out there a ton and not being targeted a ton. So like that example would be Kyler Croft who got five targets, but like basically was playing the entire game and also just is like, not that athletic, wasn't really a big pass catcher in college has bounced around the NFL. Like I'm not that in on Tyler Croft, but that is the week two waiver wire show. As always, if you guys have any questions, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me in the daily Roto Slack and we'll be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.